you're listening to The Daily American. Now here's your host, Dan the Man. We're back with The Daily American. Just want to thank all the listeners around the world. Super excited for the guest we have with us tonight. Mr. Clay Novak, welcome. Thanks for having me, Dan. Absolutely. Clay, why don't you kick yourself with your childhood a bit and where you were born? So I grew up outside of Chicago, uh, grew up in a very blue collar family. Um, you know, my dad was a, a union labor guy, he was a sheet metal worker. Uh, my mom worked uh, my entire life. Um, I've got two sisters, an older and a younger. Um, older sister is uh, two years older than me. Uh, younger sister's three years younger. Uh, God bless both of them. My older sister's a principal. My younger sister's a teacher. So my parents raised three kids who, you know, went into service focused you know, uh, kind of careers. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, we grew up, I hate to say latchkey kids, um, but my parents both worked. So especially in the summertime, we were, you know, mom gave us a list of chores to do before she, she went to work for the day. And, uh, you know, we kind of held our own, uh, during the day. So we were, you know, we, we grew up, um, together, uh, and grew up, you know, kind of uh, being responsible for ourselves, which I think, you know, kind of paid off for all three of us. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a good tight family. You know, I grew up with all four of my grandparents alive. Uh, in fact, most of my childhood, I even had a great, great grandmother alive. Um, but, um, but very, very blue collar down to earth, both sides of the family. Um, you know, my, both of my grandfathers are World War II veterans. Uh, one of them, uh, my mom's dad was uh, air crew member and B-17s over Europe, um, flew, I think 34 missions, um, all the way till the end of the war. Uh, my dad's dad, uh, was, a uh, ball turret gunner and a torpedo bomber in the Pacific off of the USS Wasp. Um, my dad served in the, uh, in the air force 66 to 70. Um, so right. You know, he's not a Vietnam veteran. He's a Vietnam era veteran, but, um, you know, he did his fair share uh, he, he actually worked on C-130s, which I spent a good part of my career jumping out of, which he always thought was funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so I come from a very military family, kind of everybody served. Um, and not only that, like all my dad's buddies, right? So they're, you know, he's of that era. So like my godfather was, a, you know, F-4 crew chief, um, you know, in the Air Force. My, you know, my, my, uh, my little sister's godfather was, you know, same thing. They were all, they're all service guys. Um, so that's what I grew up around, you know. Um, and then on, on top of it, my family is, um, you know, we're outdoors. Um, I grew up shooting, you know, clay targets, uh, trap and skeet, um, a lot of bird hunting when I was a kid. And all the guys at my dad's gun club, most of those guys were all veterans, whether they're Korea guys, or World War II guys or whatever. So I grew up surrounded by military guys. Um, I don't know if there was ever really a point in my life where I wasn't going to go into the military. You know, um, so, you know, grew up in that family, um, was an athlete growing up, uh, played soccer, still play soccer, lifelong soccer player. Um, but grew up doing that all the way through high school. I ran track in high school, um, and then, uh, you know, went off to college, um, first year. And I went to public university, Western, one of those directional schools, Western Illinois university. Um, and, um, you know, I went there. My older sister was already in school. Um, and again, my parents both working. Um, so, you know, I went there first year with a Pell Grant in my pocket, um, you know, to help pay for school. And then 
you know, to help mom and dad kind of make ends meet. Um, a buddy of mine came to me and was like, hey, you know, in Illinois, if you join the National Guard, they pay your tuition when you go to a state school. Sold. Yeah, right. Exactly. So um, so we went and talked to the National Guard recruiter. And uh, and then I came back and I called my parents that night. Now, you know, um, I, I went to school. I have a criminal justice degree. Um, never any real desire to ever be a cop. Um, I did an internship. Um, and God bless all police officers because that's not something I would want to do. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I came back and I called my parents and, and my mom was super supportive. My dad, you know, was a a little reluctant truthfully, um, because he grew up in that era, you know, the Vietnam era. Um, and you know, I told him, I, you know, I was going to be an infantryman. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and he knew what that meant, you know, the risk associated, this is 1992, you know, desert storms over with, um, you know, uh, Somali hadn't even happened yet, but my dad knew kind of instinctively, you know, that there was always risk involved. Um, so, you know, supportive really, but I think there was a little bit of reluctance there too, you know, just cause he, he kind of knew what was involved with that, but you know, they, they kind of blessed off on it. Cause again, you know, it helped. So November 13th, Friday, the 13th, I, I enlisted, um, in, uh, St. Louis and, uh, you know, 11 Bravo infantrymen um, is what I signed up for. There was a National Guard unit in Peoria, Illinois, that that I became a part of. So I did the delayed entry thing, right? Um, and I went to basic and AIT at Fort Benning the next summer. So, um, you know, for for all of us service members, you know, basic training, boot camp, whatever you want to call it, whatever your service was, yeah, it's a life-changing experience um, for anybody. I don't care who you are. Um, you know, my dad told me before I left, um, some of that great fatherly advice. He goes, listen, you're five foot 10. You have brown hair and brown eyes. He goes, you can get in the middle of a formation and disappear. They'll <laughs> never know you're there. Um, and, it, and, it, and for truthfully, for a while it worked. Um, I, I did, you know, just kind of, um, you know, kind of make my way through. And I think it was probably about week seven or something like that. Um, we took a PT test and I got a, like a, I almost maxed it. I got like a 297 or something like that. And immediately, you know, you're no longer, you know, just one of the pack at that point. Um, so, but I figured out during basic training and AIT that I really loved the army. I really did. Um, I didn't really like being a private though. Um, and I'll be honest, my college career is less than stellar. Um, I, I actually went to basic training. Um, my report card came while I was at Fort Benning. And, um, my parents were less than thrilled. <laughs> I think I got like a 1.7 GPA that semester. What year were you? Sophomore, um, freshman? It was, a, it was a summer between my sophomore and junior year. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I showed back up on academic probation. Like it was, it was not good. Um, I, I, I had a good time, but, uh, I wasn't necessarily a great student. Um, so, um, but I, but I did decide that, you know, I liked the army. I really loved the army, but I didn't like really being a private. So I went back and I joined ROTC full time, uh, cause I knew that was another opportunity, um, and, you know, to do it as an officer. And that was the choice that I made. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about being a soldier and what it takes to be a soldier as an enlisted guy. Um, and I never forgot that. Um, I, you know, I, the further you get away from being a private, you know, um, the harder it is to remember, but that was always something that I tried to keep in the back of my mind 
Like I remember those days. I remember those days at Fort Benning. Um, and I tried never to forget that through my career. Um, but so I, I finished out school, um, graduated with an outstanding 2.44 cumulative GPA and a bachelor's <laughs> degree. Um, but I, but I graduated and I got commissioned. That's all that matters. That's right. Um, and I, and I, I stayed an infantryman, which was the other thing that I really wanted to do. Um, so I, you know, I requested to, to go on active duty. I requested to, to branch infantry and, and I got what I wanted. Um, now again, so this was 1995, Somalia had happened. Um, we all watched the Black Hawk down thing on TV, um, that October of 93. Um, but at the same time, you know, the wall had fallen. We didn't really know who the bad guys were at the time. Um, I think everybody kind of knew that, you know, it was, you know, we didn't, we weren't worried about the Soviets anymore. You know, there wasn't that big, you know, global threat kind of a thing. The Balkans were kind of kicking off. So it was a very kind of, you know, nondescript time. We didn't, we didn't really know what we were facing. Um, so, you know, great support from the family. Um, you know, I, I went on active duty and, and uh, I went down to Fort Benning and, you know, education for an officer at the very beginning is a, it's a stream of schools. So I went through a four month, you know, officer basic course, um, infantry officer basic course. And then I went to airborne school and I learned how to jump out of planes and loved every minute of it. Um, and I thought while I was going through all that, that my first duty station was going to be the Hawaii, which was like, you know, I mean, how much better does it get? Than that? <laughs> I thought that I thought the same thing. <laughs> right? Exactly. And uh, so I came out of, and then, so after airborne school, I went to ranger school, which, you know, for an infantry officer, um, especially back then, it, if you wanted to have a long-term career, which is in the back of my mind is really what I wanted, um, you had to graduate. Like there was no career without a ranger tab. So when you graduate from ranger school, which is this hellish experience, um, and I don't care when you went, um, I'll, I'll, I'll steal a little bit from the, the sergeant major that was there when I was a student who had gone through, I went through in 96, he went through in the early 80s and he said, listen, he goes, you know, when I went through ranger school in the early 80s, you just had to be tough. You didn't have to be smart. You know, you guys are going through now and you got to be tough and you got to be smart. And it doesn't matter when you go to ranger school. It sucks for everybody. And he's not lying. I, I would tell you that anybody going through ranger school right now, you know, 2022, it still sucks. I, I don't care. We went through. You got two meals a day. You got four hours or less sleep. I lost 37 pounds in 89 days while I was there. Um, but I graduated and, and I came out and they handed me orders for Fort Riley, Kansas. And I was like, I thought I was going to Hawaii. And they're like, yeah, that's not happening. And, you know, it's just kind of my first real experience with the army where it's like, look, you're, you're part of the machine now. Like you, you do what the army tells you to do. And that's just the way that it works. So, you know, I, I bought into it. I bought into all of it. And, uh, you know, so they sent me to one more school where I learned how to, operate and command Bradley fighting vehicles because I was going to a mechanized infantry unit at Fort Riley. Um, and I picked up and I moved out there and, uh, you know, it was a, a great experience for a young Lieutenant. I was in a place where, um, there was, we weren't going anywhere. We were, we were, we weren't deploying. Um, we were in the middle of Kansas. There was no, like we trained a lot. Um, and it was a great, great opportunity for a young officer to learn. 
Uh, I had great NCOs who took care of me and, and took care of me in the sense that they trained me, made me do my job. Um, sometimes learning things the hard way, you know, they were real good about, um, you know, letting me fall down just enough to learn, but not letting me fail at the same time, which, you know, um, if you're an officer, you know, young officer, that's what you really, really need, in my opinion, um, are good NCOs that'll do that. They'll, they'll train you, but they'll protect you at the same time. Um, and I had them, um, and, and I was blessed through a, a long career by being surrounded by a whole bunch of good NCOs. And that was really my first exposure to that. Um, Clay, real fast, as, as far as Ranger School goes, um, as an enlisted soldier, you got to be selected. Like we spoke about earlier, shout out Mr. Christopher Takawa. He came on this podcast, told his story one more for the Airborne Ranger in the Sky. Um, he's the one who connected us, so I definitely want to give him a quick shout out. But Absolutely. You actually sent him to Ranger School. I did send him to Ranger School. Now, officers, do they automatically, everyone, because I know the West Point guys, they go. Is so that correct? As an infantry officer, doesn't matter where you get commissioned from. As an infantry officer, you're told you are going and you have to refuse. And if you refuse, like if you say, no, I don't want to go or no, I don't think I have to go. Um, you've got to go explain yourself to the big colonel and tell him why you don't need to go to ranger school or why you don't want to go to ranger school. And there are there are guys who choose not to. Um, it does happen. Um, and for different reasons, you know, there are um, different career paths in the army, guys who are only going to be infantry for a few years and then go on and be an intelligence officer. They're going to go on and be a something else. And they just figure they're only going to be in the infantry for four, you know three or four years and they don't really need to put themselves through that pain and suffering. So they opt not to go. Um, and I know there was a period, especially while the, you know, the war on terror was, you know, hot and heavy in that 2006, seven range, they were just, they were sending lieutenants to their unit. They're like, look, we don't have time for you to go to ranger school. It's more important for you to go be with a unit and go deploy. So there was a lot of guys who had to play catch up afterwards. But when I was a lieutenant, you were told you were going and you had to turn around and tell them why you didn't want to go if you weren't going. So is there a selection process? I would tell you that the selection process is essentially you're an infantry officer and you're going to go. And that's really about all there is to it. Got it. <clears throat> One last question before we, wrap the, before we wrap this first episode up. The name Clay, where did it, are you a junior? Where did it come I'm from? Because you're actually, such a good shot with the Clay. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of people assume that. Um, growing up in a, in a family that does that, um, there's for years people thought that my dad named me after a clay pigeon or something like that. It was actually a friend of his from the Air Force. It was just a buddy of his that he was enlisted with that um, he liked the guy's name. And it's funny because it's not even Clayton. My name is just Clay. Um, you know, my, my family, it's a weird little twist. My dad's Larry, not Lawrence. Um, my mom is, is Patricia. Uh, my older sister is Rachel with an E L and my little sister is Beth, but not Elizabeth. So, you know, and I, and I kind of carry the same thing on with my kids. My kids have very Irish names. Um, they're very uncommon. Um, and it's just kind of, it, it's a thing. So yeah, not named after the clay pigeon, but def definitely named after a friend of mine. <laughs> awesome clay all right well you guys make sure you you stay tuned next week next wednesday 9 a.m for part two of this four-part special thank you guys always and clay look forward to having you back on thanks Dan.